Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Ready to set it ablaze today, folks. I know you've already done it on the text line. I talked to Bone walking in, and he said, I believe we peaked at 1,800 texts, and a lot of them were angry today. I expect that same energy, 704-570-9610. Angry cats. I'm not asking for angry cats. I just fully expect it throughout the three-hour duration of our show. I expect it all. We're actually going to let you call in, too. That's going to happen at 1245. So if you want to call in, be ready. 704-570-9610. That's going to happen again at 1245 right now. If you don't uh, don't mind allowing us getting off the bus, Mike K going to hop on as well. We'll be talking about this Panthers loss, 20-17 to 17 against the Saints. Prime time in front of everybody and their mama. Didn't look good, Wes. Didn't look good it after didn't. we had held out hope that this offense would be better than what people were expecting nationally. We thought Bryce Young would be the guy that you could just plug into this system and he would be the most NFL ready out of all of the first round QB selected. And well, he's not putting up the numbers, but this is the question. I think everybody is asking who is to blame because this is what we do. Are we blaming Scott Fitter for not putting the personnel out there? Are we blaming the offensive line for not holding up their end of the bargain? Are we putting the blame on the wide receivers for not being able to create separation? Are we putting the blame on Frank Reich and his play calling and his inability to get this team ready for the start of the season? There's a lot to look at. That's the question as we get off the bus. Before you do it, let's hear okay. the deep cover. Let's hear deep cover, and then you can come in. with <laughs> That your always brunt. makes you feel better. 100%. Deep cover. Open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. Josh Finney Marlowe. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it. Hit us with your thoughts, Wes. All right, man. Well, it's a lot of blame to go around, to be frank. And it just felt like one of those games that no matter what happened after you got a couple of possessions ingested into your psyche, you just felt like that the Panthers weren't going to be able to score the football. And that's just the way it went. And I know that's got to be one of the worst feelings you could ever have. I've watched football before where teams are playing against a really good defense. And the offense just isn't doing anything. And it gets to a point where you're just like, man, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. They are not going to get points out of this football game. The last drive, I mean, you could take some positives from that, but... New Orleans went into a soft coverage. They really were just playing bend on break, and then the Panthers were able to exploit it and get a touchdown at the end of the game. But I don't think a lot of the fans were too excited about that. Now, if you get the onside kick, that's a different story. But I think it was a lot of blame to go around, whether you talk about the skill guys not getting open, the offensive line giving up four sacks, five tackles for loss, whether you talk about the play calling, abandoning the run. Uh, There was just so much and so many things that did not go right. And I think you saw the difference when you talk about the skill guys. You saw the difference makers for the Saints make a play when they needed to, whether it was Shahid or Chris Olave. At some point, somebody's going to make a play. And I think that's the thing Panthers fans will be most frustrated with is that they don't have a guy that they feel like when the game is just stuck in the mud that can make that play to break you out free like Olave did 
for the Saints. What a catch. And Shahid. What a catch Chris Olave had. And there goes Dante Jackson biting on a double move. The discipline just doesn't get any better for Dante. <laughs> and the tackling was not good. And the thing is, the, the secondary, I saw people praising the secondary without J.C. Horn for the first little while. And then you started to have like little minor breakdowns, but nothing too crazy. The whole bend, not break mentality. And then you had the double move to Shahid that put it away the second time Derek Carr goes to him in two weeks time and Chris Olave with what was an amazing catch CJ Henderson they're in coverage for the most part good throw from Derek Carr Chris Olave just able to juggle it and then Henderson brings his hands back like I'm not fouling him and then Olave comes up with the catch. Those are the big plays. Let's go to the text line. I'm getting a lot of just yes. Oh, we can't forget that Michael Thomas catch either. That was crazy. On his booty. Yes. Yeah. Remind me of Demir Bird. Was he not out of bounds? No, because, that was a catch. Because it, the replay that we got, it looked like his butt was out of bounds. And it looked like Frank was going to challenge it, but then didn't challenge it. No, They it, had both cheeks hit the ground on the thing. So you only need one. No, you only need, yes. We learned this from Demir Bird, 2018 the butt drag swag touchdown against Green Bay. <laughs> so one Michael, cheek equals two feet. Uh, and he got two cheeks in. One, two, one cheek, both cheek, both cheek. <laughs> well, cheeky, that's what, would you? That's what Michael Thomas did, yes. That, okay. he, he was able to, no, and it's tough. Just for those that don't know, Fitty and Papa Fitty, they had themselves a night, Monday Night Football, <laughs> at Bank of America Stadium, and so it is hard. When we're watching from our couches and seeing the reviews, it's a little harder. But yes, he was absolutely in bounds. So a lot of people, when I ask the question, who's to blame? A lot of people are just saying, yes. The answer to your question <laughs> is yes. And everybody's running away with that joke. I completely understand why. I apologize to a lot of people like 704 texting in. I'm putting the blame on Walker for making me take the Bryce over on 185 passing yards. I said, was it 185? I thought it was just 85. That's my story. And <laughs> then you're going to stick to it, right? That's at least my story. Whoops. Now, nah, please don't let me be in charge of your wallet. I am not the person that you need to put responsibility on. That is your fault for believing anything I say on these airwaves. Don't do it unless it works out, and then you should do it. There's a lot to go around, Wes. This is what I will say that is a little different from preseason struggles to game one struggles. Last night was the first time that I looked at Bryce and thought, he didn't play very well. Mm-hmm. Last night was the first time I watched Bryce and say, there are things that are absolutely affecting you and not allowing you to play your best football. 100%. Wide receiver group, it's worse than I thought. And I should have listened to the national pundits ranking them 32nd and 31st. I had hope. The positivity, it's drained now. I can tell you that. But I looked at Bryce and Wes looked a little shook. I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I'm not saying he's always going to be panicky every single pocket he sees every game for the rest of his NFL career. But I can look at him last night, and because the pressure was bad, you got to see the offensive line continue to allow pressure to that Saints defense. I think he got a little panicky, happy feet, would leave the pocket, didn't want to step up. I thought there were times where actually you could step up in the pocket and didn't want to do that, wanted to escape it. Looked a little shook compared to the other games that I've seen him play. Uh, yeah, I know we're up against it, but I thought that the flip side, I talked a lot about during the draft process, the pedigree of Bryce Young being number one in high school, winning championships, winning nonstop, going to Alabama, being dominant there, being the number one pick. But I think last night I felt like, to your point, Walker, I was going to text into our group chat that I felt like 
that maybe for the first time in quite some time, if ever, and I'm sure he's gone through football adversity, but I felt like it was really hitting him. I could see the body language on him and just looking at his face, and it felt like discouragement to a point to where I said also, too, the flip side of being a savant, when you know so much, I think sometimes you know when you go into battle what you have at your disposal, and I think that Bryce Young had that look on his face like, damn, man, like, I'm trying, but it's just we're outgunned out here. And I felt like that was kind of the look and the demeanor that he carried with him. A little bit surprising, but I know it can be frustrating, like I said, for a guy that's used to constantly winning, constantly being on top, constantly making plays, to now things are just not going in your favor every which way that you turn. I'm sure that that's starting to weigh on him a little bit, but... On the positive side, that's the type of adversity that guys need to turn them into the players they're going to become. Hopefully, he takes these moments, uses them for learning, uses them for fuel, and it will help him get better down the road. All right, Mike K, Panthers beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer. He will be joining us on the other side of the break to continue to break down this Panthers Monday night loss against the New Orleans Saints. Mike K, coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Talking about the letdown last night from the Carolina Panthers. They lose to the Saints 20-17. to Out of all the things I got wrong, I got the score right. I didn't get the team winning, right? I picked the Panthers, but... At least it was 2017, and that's what I'm going to take away from this game. Yeah. Then I got the score hey, right. Got to get your wins where you can get them. Yeah. So I'm one in 17 after what I predicted yesterday. To help us talk a little bit more about it, we go to the beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, the Carolina Panthers beat writer for the Observer, Mike K. Or we could set it up, Mike K. Who? Mike K. Who? The thing is, I have to do that anytime <laughs> there is someone with a single di- single syllable last name and the name Mike in front of it. Mike, is that, do your friends do that a lot with you? Do they put the Mike Jones rhythm to your name quite a bit? No, but I've been Mike K, not Mike, for pretty much my entire life. Nobody can just call me Mike. It's always Mike K. I think my grandma even calls me Mike I can K. see that. Mike K is a pretty sweet and then name. when Granny does it, there's no way you're not going what by. What Granny, it's exactly like Bajan's mom. Mm-hmm. saying it's Bajan Robinson, not mm-hmm. Bijan. What Mama says, it goes, and that's the same thing with Granny K. Mike K joins us here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Mike, you have an article on the Charlotte Observer up right now, um, or at least, I, I'm sorry, your colleague does, Alex Zeitlow, talking about the locker room being listless. And I think that's something that's worrisome to me. We can get into the offense. We can get into Bryce Young's performance. But what was your takeaway, the mood of the locker room, and how detrimental that might be going forward? Well, for the most part, it was empty. Uh, You know, I mean, I think starting off 0-2, especially 0-2 in the division, is never going to lead to a, you know, an upbeat locker room. I, I think this team just doesn't know what it's doing wrong. And I think that's kind of echoed through the front, like, it just seems like a collective effort in mediocrity right now. And while I've always built this as a two-year rebuild on the fly, there were some concerning elements, especially on offense, through the first two games. And I think the entire team is feeling it. I think the offense has let the defense down. That's going to 
obviously create some tension there. I think the offense is let itself down, and that's going to create some tension there. I mean, I, I don't know how you could feel good after this. Not defending the mood of the locker room, but I, I think listless is what they were on the field, so it's probably what they're going to be in the locker room as well. Mike, Wes Bryant here, and when you talk about Bryce Young, we remember in the preseason when the coaching staff said that they felt like not only could they do what they already had planned in their offensive philosophies, but they felt like that they could expand upon that. So when you get out there and see them with a playbook and a game plan that seems pretty conservative, is this like a Bryce thing, them feeling like that he's not necessarily ready or is this just the staff and this is just how uh, they're going to get down this season with a conservative playbook that's not going to be uh, very aggressive? I thought they were pretty creative, at least pre-snap in week one. It seemed like that all went out the window this week. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they saw what this this group of players could do during a game and were like, okay, they're not ready for that yet. And, yeah, this was a very conservative approach this week. But that said, everything took a while to develop. I, I just don't know that, that Bryce Young is being surrounded by the right ecosystem of players. We can talk about how Adam Thielen is making plays out there, but he averaged 7.7 yards of catch. Um, this is a group that kind of got away from the run early, even though it was a three-point or tie game uh, for the first 42 minutes of the game. So I I don't really understand the play calling rhythm. I don't think the play design's been bad, but I think the play calling has just not kind of stopped the bleeding. And I think that's been really rough on Bryce. Then again, he's holding the ball for like eight seconds. And as an offensive lineman, you can't really block for six to eight seconds for 20 plays a game because wide receivers aren't getting open. It's been a very confusing time for this offense, and I, I don't know what the right answer is. And then, Mike, when you talk about the offensive line and everybody was having varied opinions about what they saw in the preseason and in Atlanta, they played a pretty solid game. And then this game, not so much. Which offensive line do you feel like is a true representation? And I know they had a couple of injuries, but the offensive line from this game and what we saw in the preseason or from game one in Atlanta? I, I think you'd have to do it on a case-by-case basis, like player for player. But I, I do think it's more like what we saw last night. I mean, you're, you're missing two starting guards. I mean, Austin Corbett, not for nothing, was the best offensive player on the team last year, in my opinion. And his loss is being felt, especially when you've got a turnstile at right guard. I mean, they constantly are switching guys out there. And so I think when you look at the way this team is kind of set up, the offensive line is kind of at the mercy of wide receivers getting open because Bryce Young is being so patient in the pocket. He's not running, uh, you know, and and they're kind of taking the brunt of it. I, I Again, I, I think that the guard problem is a problem. Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his work at Mike underscore E underscore K. Mike, I saw you tweet out the snap counts, carolinapanthers.com. They released that from last night. Any main takeaways or any trends that you're seeing from the snap count on Monday Night Football? Well, they got Yusuf Grossmatos involved a lot more. Um, he had four snaps against Atlanta, and I think he had 42 uh, against the Saints. Um, you'll notice the DJ Johnson again, didn't get any snaps this time. He was an active, um, offensively though, you know, with Raheem Blackshear inactive, 
I thought LaVisca Chenault would get a little bit more playing time. He did not. Uh, he was kind of the de facto number three running back there. Uh, Terrace Marshall got 22 snaps and wasn't targeted. Like, I was expecting big things from him this summer, and I, 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 he just hasn't delivered on him, especially with that back injury. Jonathan Mingo, again, was kind of whatever. He had the nice 22-yard catch, but he's going through his growing pains as well. DJ Chark was on a pitch count. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything alarming from the snap counts. I just think when you look at, like, Jeremy Chin playing, going from playing, like, 73% of the snaps to 35% of the snaps, it kind of shows you how much more the Saints relied on the passing game than, than the Falcons. All right, Mike, I wanted to go to what is becoming somewhat of a conversation in Panthers' Twitter land. It's whether this thing was supposed to be a rebuild this year. I know you put out there on Twitter that it kind of is a rebuild going into this season, and it feels like there are differing opinions on that. So why do you think that this does this season does lend itself more to a rebuild year with the Carolina Panthers? Well, I, when I say rebuild year, that doesn't mean be patient. That doesn't mean you know, give them a pass. But what I'm saying is you, you bring in 25 new faces, you've completely rebuilt the staff outside of Campin and Tabor, and then you've got a you've got three rookie starters, a rookie quarterback, a rookie number one wide receiver, because he's getting snaps like a, a number one wide receiver, and then you've got a rookie starting guard who's played two different guard positions in his first two games. Uh, the defense is a completely new scheme. I mean... To me, it's a philosophical rebuild. It's not like an organizational rebuild, if that makes sense. Like an organizational rebuild, you're gutting everything. You've got a new front office. You're doing all that stuff. This is more of a rebuild on the fly. And, again, that's not an excuse. You should criticize them. You shouldn't have to feel patient. But this was not going to be a good team starting out. I I don't really understand the preseason hype of this team's going to win the NFC South and stuff like that. I, I never kind of saw that. Then again, I didn't think it would be this bad. Mike, last thing, when you look at this division and you talk about the rebuilding process with what Atlanta and Tampa Bay is doing, if these two teams continue to have success, does that accelerate, I guess, the mindset of the Carolina front office to get this thing done and get it turned around because these these two teams seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve when you talk about rebuilds? I mean, I don't even know if Tampa's really even rebuilding. They just don't have Tom Brady at quarterback. But the Falcons are definitely a traditional rebuild, and they are, they've got a great coach in Arthur Smith. They're doing it their own way. They clearly have an identity, and I don't know that the Panthers do. And I think that that's on the front office, that's on the staff. You know, you hired the coaching staff, and on paper is tremendous, but realistically the players have to execute. And coaching – resumes don't really matter if players aren't executing and so i put the blame on both the coaching staff and the front office in this one and they do have to figure out a way to make this work and i don't know that there's an answer when you're two games into the season you're zero and two and you don't have a first round pick next year all right that was mike k from the charlotte observer again check out his work his twitter handle is mike underscore e underscore k he's on the body works plus guest hotline mike we really appreciate the time man thanks again thanks for having me I wanted to say Mike Jones about a couple times in there. (laughs) I just can't help it. I don't know why. It's a common name. I just can't help it when I see Mike and then a single-syllable last name. I immediately go to Mike Jones. It's just how I was raised. Great first album. Um, Let's go to the rebuild conversation a little bit. All right. Because I think that's kind of becoming a conversation on Twitter. And my former colleague, Molly, actually put it out there saying, feeling a little hungover uh, this morning after watching last night. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't pretty. 
it was wasn't pretty at all. We had one drive at the very end where Bryce Young looked good enough playing softer coverage. You hit Mingo deep. You're starting to move the ball a little bit, but then they give up a first down immediately to Taysom Hill and the air immediately goes out of the building again. So we know how it all played out, but she said, feel like Orlovsky late in the game was preaching patience as if the Panthers were going through a rebuild. This isn't a rebuild. I hope that doesn't become a narrative. Mike K quote tweeted that and said, wait, it is a rebuild though. Here's what I think. If we go to the mid portion of last season, They traded Christian McCaffrey and all of us were trying to figure this out. We've had this conversation already and I feel like we kind of closed the door on it. At least that's what I remember from our conversation in the mid portion of last year. It was rebuild, retool. What's going on when they traded Christian McCaffrey, they traded a very talented player on a big old contract at a position now that isn't valued to the point in which the top guys get paid at $16 million. The Panthers had been talking about, or we had been talking about the Panthers trading Christian McCaffrey for a while now. It wasn't, oh, now the rebuild's here. Now it's a full reset. No, I never got that sense. Then we tried to bring it up again when they traded Robbie Anderson. Okay, hard eye roll. That guy went to the Cardinals, did nothing. Now he's barely making a roster. It was his time. Dropped a million passes, had one very good 1,000-yard season. It was time. That did not indicate whatsoever a full rebuild that was going on. I understand where Molly is coming from here. Like, part of it can be. I get that. But I don't think they operated that way fully this offseason. You know, they go after Von Bell. They're trying to shore up the defense to make this thing a real monster. The offensive line. It was pretty good last year. Not amazing, but good enough to where we felt like it was a strength. It felt like we all thought Bryce Young was going to be a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, than Baker Mayfield, than Kyle Allen. He was going to be the better quarterback that we've had in a while, really, since maybe first half Teddy Bridgewater and Cam Newton before he got hurt. You drop that in here, it feels feels like they're going to be okay. And man, I know that maybe I had too high of expect. I'll admit that. My expectations were too high on this offense. It was too high on this receiving core. I will own that. But you're trying to tell me that we all should have expected them to barely score 17 points at the very end, barely score 10 points in the first game? Look, I got patience. I'm with you. I'm willing to accept that I was way out in front of my horses on this. But I didn't expect it to look this ugly, Wes. Yeah, I would say it's a wait-and-see type of rebuild. I think that this team, they almost made the playoffs last year, so they said there's enough here, and if the division continues to stay where it was, then just maybe they can get in and win the division and get into the playoffs. Well, you don't account for what the other teams are going to do, how good they're going to be, because you were already drafting in the top 10 in the first place. By the number of games you won, you felt like, okay, maybe if we make a couple of tweaks here – weeks there that we can get into the playoffs when that division as I said if it stays the status quo like what it was with teams just struggling and nobody really seizing control of the division but now as I said you still have a rookie quarterback you didn't put the greatest of weapons around him we know all of this stuff and so I think it's kind of a wait and see rebuild I think that you feel like all right if they end up being good enough to win the division and get into the playoffs, so be it. But if not, you know, we'll just keep working at this thing because it's still a first-year staff and all of those things. So I think it's kind of, sort of, maybe a rebuild with some caveats. 
I feel like we had that conversation and ended it right. Mm-hmm. And and no, and you bring up a lot of good points. I think. Look, we get into a semantics debate when it happens with every radio show, with every sports debate show. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? Is it a reset? It's a re-something. And then we start to debate on what it truly is, when in reality, they traded Chris McCaffrey because the guy was making a lot of money at a position that you can get by on if you don't have a stud back there. Carolina did it last year with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard not being real threats in the pass game. But Chris McCaffrey is still a stud, so any offense, especially helping out a young quarterback that they drafted, watching him go away is going to hurt. I think the biggest loss that they had was probably DJ. And this is why I was pounding the table at that point. Look, you got to do it. You got to go up and get your franchise quarterback if you believe him and believe in him. It's the most important position in sports. And that guy has a Heisman under his belt at the best football program of the last decade and a half. Okay, go get your guy. I have no problem with it. But getting rid of DJ Moore hurts. And I think that's the loss, Wes. Now here we are talking about wide receivers not getting separation, not having a go-to guy. DJ wasn't great. He was only okay. Man, that dude had close to 900 yards last year, three straight consecutive seasons of 1,100 yards, where his best quarterback, to me, was first half of the season Teddy Bridgewater, who wasn't even hitting DJ more deep like he has that capability. And now we go from that to Adam Thielen, who's out here averaging 7.5 yards per reception, and Terrace Marshall isn't doing anything anymore. That really hurts. Mingo, as much as I love him as the prospect, my man, you got to hold on to that ball on that in-breaking route. <laughs> and catch the doggone ball and dive into the end zone because he had enough room to catch it and score. I, I, that, I was lava. befuddled. Enzo's lava. I yeah. win. I'm not touching it. At least they scored, but you're right. It was weird. Yeah, man, it was uh, – it, it's the wide receiver core. It's it's this weird – like, for me, I kept using the phrase threading the needle. Gets a little dicey when you try to do that, do the whole rebuild but win now thing. I thought they had done a good job doing it. In the first two games, it does not look like that. We have a lot more football left to go. We'll see how it all plays out. But through the first two games, this offense is way further back than I expected. Well, I'll say, too, the biggest thing that hurt this offense was the young receivers not developing. The fact that we were sitting here in the offseason saying, okay, TMJ, we knew the analytics about how he could go get the deep ball and what he brought to this offense last year. And then Mingo, you're like, man, Steve Smith put the gas on it. You're like, man, if this guy can pop, this is going to be something. Well, Mingo isn't popping. TMG, TMJ, nowhere to be found. And I think that's the biggest thing that's hurt this receiving crew is that the young guys aren't contributing and coming through and providing what they can. TMJ, man, it's just about time to close the book on them. Let's keep it real. Mingo, like I said, give him a few more games. I think the fans should have some some patience with him. But we see too many young wide receivers come in and do their thing now. We see guys coming in getting 1,000 yards, 1,500 yards off the bat. And I'm not saying that you're going to expect Mingo to come in and be one of the best in the game, but at least come in and contribute, be a focal point, be a guy that is out here making plays that's flashing. So far, no flash from him. And I think that's hurt this offense a lot as well is that the young guys, seems like that some of them, they have missed on, especially when you talk about TMJ. Mingo, we'll see. He's still got some time to develop as well. But this offense as a whole, not only that, when you talk about the rebuild, it's like, okay, tell me you're rebuilding without telling me you're rebuilding with some of the moves that you make. And I don't necessarily go by what Scott Fitterer is saying. I go by what do I see. 
yeah, I think they made the move to get Bryce Young because they felt like he was the missing piece. But then at the same time, it's like some of the moves that you may not being super aggressive to maybe go out and get a top-notch vet. Maybe at the time, DeAndre Hopkins, even though he hasn't been that great, or maybe even when Devontae Adams was running around unhappy, did you try to make a play there? Like well, some De- of that DeAndre, DeAndre turned out to be right there. And, and I know it's not like I didn't want him. I just didn't think Carolina was going to go after him, and maybe you could even spend that money on a pass rusher, which I was worried about in the offseason. But, man, the pass rush is like the only positive from a 50-50 coin flip. We had no clue what it was going to look like, and maybe we even were worried about it. But they've showed up, and Justin Houston, balling right now. Well, and let's also – that's yeah, Justin Houston, we'll get to that. You don't like the balling comment? <laughs> I think that was a little strong. I think he's playing well. But – I was going to say, too, let's not forget in that trade with the Bears, you had your choice of guys you could give up. You could have given up Burns, Brown, or DJ Moore, they according to DJ, reports. Though. That's the guy that they wanted. But I thought they, they said they get... would have taken either no, of the I think, three. I think both are true. I, we can we get our drum research analyst on it <laughs> yeah. about exactly what was said. But, no, I don't. Wes is right. I think there was yeah, a they had their choice they of guys that they could have given up. And so it's like, all right, what do you feel like? And I guess they felt like offensively they would end up being okay. It's hurting them right now. All right, let's go to the first Fitty Flash, and then we'll take some phone calls on the other side of the break. Don't call in yet, though. Fitty's a busy man. Don't call in yet. Fitty, go ahead and hit us with your first Flash of the day. Fitty. As if last night... Wasn't bad enough watching the Panthers lose at home to New Orleans. The other pro team in Charlotte disappointed us as well. The Charlotte Hornets, they're not officially bringing back Kelly, the Tsunami Poppy Oubre Jr., who was expected to sign a one-year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. You're talking about a guy that averaged 20.3 points per game last year. In the 48 games, he suited up for the Bugs. Was a leader on and off the court as the season was going sideways. And this seems like a propaganda flash. <laughs> you know, to, to to see him walk away on a one-year contract when we invested three years and 48 million dollars into a three and D guy in PJ Washington. My man is laying it on thick. My, my heart hurts today for Kelly Oubre <laughs> Jr. He deserves better. Did you even say what team he signed for? He signed with, I mean, he's going to He's going to be the Harden replacement. Oh, for Philadelphia. I just wanted to know, amidst all of that talk, did you even <laughs> update the people in your flash as to who he's signed? Maybe I missed it, but maybe it just got lost in the sauce. Yes, Kelly Oubre signed a one-year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. I believe Derek Bodner of Twitter reported that it was indeed for the vet minimum. See, I'm not seeing that, man. Oh, See, I'm not seeing that. I, I'm seeing one-year Supermax. Wes, what are your thoughts on Tsunami Poppy leaving the uh, Hornets organization? Yeah, you hate to see him go. He brought some excitement. But like I said, man, you brought Brandon Miller. You got to find some type of way to to find some minutes for him and some court time and some shots because we know that Kelly liked to put that thing up. He sure did. You know, he gave us some good memories, some good times here. But he's moved on, and uh, we'll see you down the road, Kelly. Actually, if it will allow us. I would like to go over some of the fun moments because there were some wild ones. Oh, yeah. Who 
could forget the fourth quarter he had two years ago. Eight um, three-pointers yeah, in that fourth quarter yeah, against big Detroit. Ubi. Yeah, ten three-pointers and the 30-point victory over Indiana. There were some fun moments with Kelly Oubre. Maybe we can get to some of those a little bit later on in the show. All right, people, we want to hear from you. We don't take calls all that often just because, well, we just, I don't know, not for any reason in particular, but we're doing it now. We're going to right our wrongs. Call us. Tell us what you think about the Panthers' loss to the Saints last night. The number to dial is the same as the text line, 704-570-9610. Again, call in with your thoughts and comments at 704-570-9610. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We got some texts, but more importantly, we got some phone calls to get to Wes Bryant. Going to Let's the phone it. lines, people want to be heard about their thoughts on the Panthers, the 20-17 to 17 loss to the Saints on Monday Night Football. Ryan calls in first. Again, 704-570-9610. Ryan, thanks for calling in, man. What are your thoughts? Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Yeah, here, here's here's kind of where I sit with the with the Panthers right now. I'm a little bit I'm a little frustrated, but I'm also positive. I'm frustrated from a perspective that Pepper uh, wants to bring in this offensive minded uh, guru type of coach. I don't know, guru might be a little strong for Frank Reich, but but offensive minded anyway. And and then the thing is, we've only scored two touchdowns in two games, and and it you got Baker Mayfield throwing uh, dimes and touchdowns. You've got uh, C.J. Stroud with 384 yards, and then we got Bryce Young, who seemingly kind of struggling. But here's where I'm I'm positive about the Panthers and Bryce Young, even though everything looks like it's kind of you know it's been a bad move ha- hiring this staff so far. But you know I'm gonna try and be a little bit positive here. So here we go. Bryce Young hasn't had the batted balls that everybody said that he was gonna have. There nope. you Bryce go, Young, Ryan. Yes, it, great exactly. point. Everybody was exactly everybody was saying this guy's gonna have batted balls left and right. He's not going to be able to uh, take the hits. He's taken the hits. He's had no batted balls. Last night, I actually saw some really good throws from him, even though he looked a little scared. My wife looked at me as we were sitting in Section 111, Row 8, and she goes, I don't know. He looks a little scared. I'm like, yeah, but look at what's happening. The guys aren't getting open. We knew this. But here's the idea. I think this falls on Fitterer because I think the idea, correct me if I'm wrong, is to get better. And it kind of seems like the roster's kind of taken a step back from last year, even though, like, you add Bryce Young to last year's team, you've got a little something going on with that team last year with what the progress they made uh, with the Matt Rule firing. But, but right now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I see more holes than we had last year. But, you know, I'm high on Bryce Young. I think all of us Panther fans, I think everybody needs to stay positive with this guy. Be patient. Uh, the coaching staff, the play calling's a little iffy. I'm, I'm trying to stay positive, guys. I, I really am. It's time for the Panthers to win. I just want to stay positive around here. It's a great phone call. God bless you, Ryan, for trying to stay positive. A lot of other people are not. But he does bring up the point of no batted balls, Wes Bryant. And I will focus on that as well. That is a great thing to focus on. Overall, what were some of your thoughts on Ryan's phone call? Uh, I thought that he definitely brought it. And I think that, again, he just went through an assortment of 
reasons why that this offense is not working right now. And when you bring up the stats, when you talk about the pocket time, which is something that could work against Bryce Young, and you look at it, he's had an average of 2.8 seconds to throw the football. That's one of the best times in the in the NFL when you compare it to all quarterbacks. And so the thing with Bryce Young is that uh, he definitely deserves a little bit of the blame because at times he looks – uh, he looks like he's definitely playing a conservative brand of ball for himself because he's a rookie and he's trying to do what the coaches ask him to do. And it looks like they're asking him not to lose the game because it's dictated by the play calls that we're seeing out there. We're not seeing them trying to get down the field. How many times did Orlovsky say that last night that this offense is just not being that aggressive? And sometimes you just want to see guys, especially – in times when they're trying to come back from leads or different things of that nature, just go out there and just throw caution to the wind, man, and just play, just just play ball. So I think that he expresses a lot of thoughts that uh, a lot of fans have, and it's just going to continue to be a working process. All right, let's go to the phone lines once again. Buzz calling in. What a great name. Buzz calling in to share his thoughts. <laughs> Buzz, we appreciate it, man. What's on your mind? Um, nothing much. I just wanted to get y'all's uh, opinion on uh... – something that kind of popped up in my head last night. I was sitting there watching the game, and how much of this do we actually place on, like y'all were just saying, the play calling to where if you go back and count, I'd like to know the number of times, first and ten, it was a handoff to Sanders up the middle. I mean, it just seemed we were doing that every time. And to me, I'm, you know, a soccer player, never played football, don't have any right to be able to say, you know, I'm smart about the sport, but if I can see that pattern, don't you think the Saints on the other side of the ball can see the pattern? And so how much do we place it, you know, Frank Reich and all of, hey, you got to try different stuff. If it's not working, you've got to, you know, go with some RPO, go with some screen passes, do something to get somebody some space. Yeah, big thanks. And I'll just take your stuff off the air. No, we appreciate the phone call, Buzz. I think those are good points. A lot of people are asking for play calling. Maybe we just give a couple of surface-level thoughts because we do want to have a deeper conversation a little bit later on. My thought is this. I th- I agreed with Mike K in week one. I thought there was some creativity. I don't think it was Sean McVay. I don't think it was Kyle Shanahan. I don't think it was this, oh my God, I've never seen that type of stuff before. But I think we saw a lot of pre-snap motion. I think we saw LaVisca involved quite a bit, at least initially. I think we saw a couple of ways where you were freeing up Hayden Hurst. And they, even on the interceptions, you know, at least Bryce Young is throwing downfield. I don't want him to turn it over, right? But Jesse Jesse Bates makes a great uh, play. I agree with Mike in the sense that we saw some in week one. We didn't see very much last night. It didn't get any better. Yeah, and I also think, too, when you talk about the play calling and he's talking about the run game, see, I think that they should have stuck with it a little bit more, especially if you're going to come out with this type of conservative game plan where you don't want to attack down the field that much. And I'm not saying you have to drop back and throw 10 deep balls, not at all. But when you look at some of the other teams, and as you said, we'll get into this later, and I'll just use one example in this argument. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, yes, granted, they have two really good running backs, no question about it. But I think the Panthers have two really good running backs as well, maybe not quite on their level. But they ran the ball 45 times. And that's something I think coaches sometimes get away with or get away from when it doesn't look like it's going to go the way that they wanted to. I mean, Miles Sanders had 14 carries, only three yards per carry. Chuba Hubbard, though, had eight yards of carry, and most of that came on a 14-yard run, but still eight yards of carry as well. They ran for five 
yards a carry as a team, but a lot of that came from Bryce Young's uh, healthy average that he had. He had a 26-yard run as well. But I think when you have a young quarterback like that 19 times, especially in a game that's close, that you're still in, why are you giving up on the run? You should try to pound the football first, and that will also help open up things for Bryce down the field. All right, we want to answer as many phone calls as we can. We've got to go to break. We'll go possibly to break after this next one, but we'll get to Isaac on the phone lines right now. Isaac, we appreciate the phone call, man. How are you? Doing well, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. What's on your mind, Isaac? Uh, kind of just fall with Westhead. I mean, really, to me, it's kind of the, the offensive receivers. I mean, you you got to have different levels at playing football, and you got to have you don't have to have great players on each on each position, but you got to have good players to make plays. And we're not really getting those plays and the momentum flowing. Uh, you see a lot, like in the mid level, you see some tight passes, but no, like you need some kind of deep balls. You need something which, I mean, they look a little hesitant to kind of do still. I mean, I'm still kind of seeing vanilla play calling as well. No, it was vanilla last night. That's exactly the point we were making. Appreciate Isaac calling in. We can get to that a little bit later on. I did want to fit in the last phone call to this segment, though. Nate calling in. Nate, we Nate, we appreciate the phone call, man. Oh, dial tone. Mm. Psych. Gotcha. <laughs> Hung up just like the offense did on us last night. You thought you were going to get something. No, thank you, Nate said. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's also take a break from Carolina Panthers conversation. Just a little bit. Just a wee tiny little break. <laughs> and then we'll come back at 120 with a little more conversation, Elvis Presley style, on the Carolina Panthers and the play call. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people are asking about that. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.